What's up, guys? This is the Do Big Things Podcast. Thank you for dropping in. My name is Adam McRoberts. I am an ultra runner. I've been running ultras for, gosh, I don't know, 10, 12 years or so. And before that, I was doing Ironmans, uh, studying martial arts like a madman, even stepped into the cage and did some MMA for a little while. Um, I'm just someone who always believed in doing big things. Um, I authored a few books. Um, I'm, I'm no genius. I'm no great orator. I'm not a great speaker, but I've always just believed in doing big things. Um, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I've got a lot of willpower and I've got a lot of inner strength. So, uh, I spent my life working on my life resume rather than my work resume and no regrets, but here I am, you know, running a podcast and, uh, hopefully bring an inspiration to you guys. Uh, I mean, I really only do this to inspire myself. Uh, this is just an easy way for me to sit down and have conversations with really cool, badass people who do extremely awesome things that are really inspiring to me. And, you know, there's always a moment in our conversation where I'm just going, how, how do you do it? How, how are you so tough? And, you know, I'm just looking for inspiration. And if I can give you guys just a tiny little bit of inspiration, then it's all worth it. Um, yeah, I, I love, I love doing this stuff. Um, but listen, I'm also a flawed, I'm not perfect. I'm flawed in many ways. Um, I've had my struggles. Uh, I've had a lot of ups and downs in life. Um, I've struggled with alcohol, I've struggled with substances, I've struggled with my own mental health. Um, but you know, we're all just doing our best, right? We're all just walking each other home and, um, talking with all these inspiring people week after week, it, it lifts me up. Um, week after week. And, and that's really it. That's, that's really all this podcast is, is me trying to figure out, um, the best way to live. And, uh, I guess I do it all publicly so you guys can hear the, the, these conversations and that's it. So that's the do big things podcast in a nutshell. And I am really glad you guys are here. Um, I guess lastly, I guess, um, I'm a, I'm a business owner as well. I'm an entrepreneur. I own a, a company called big things crewing. And this podcast is uh, sort of stemming from that business. We offer, um, not only coaching for ultra marathon runners, but we offer crewing and pacing as well. Uh, I'm a certified USGA ultra running coach. So, uh, if a coach is something you are thinking about putting into, uh, bringing into your world, then I'd, I'd love to help. Um, like I said, I've, I've got a little bit of experience. I've ran some big races. There's a lot more folks with a lot more experience that have run a lot bigger races, but you know what? Um, I'm here for you guys if you need me and I would love to be of service. Like I said, we also offer crewing and pacing. So a lot of folks like to come out or have dreams of coming out and doing the Leadville 100, but they don't know anybody out here. They don't have a lot of friends in Colorado. They're wondering, you know, what should I do? Should I fly my friends and family out to pace me? Which oftentimes is a great idea. Oftentimes it's not the best idea. And if you're looking for options, we're there for you. Um, 
you know, we're just uh, me and my crew. We're just a bunch of uh, people who spend all of our spare time in the mountains and sleeping in the back of vans and pickup trucks most of the time so that we can go out and do big adventures on the weekends and um, just kind of work odd jobs to, you know, put it all together. And crewing and pacing is something we're passionate about. And it's just a feather in our cap. You know, we know the Leadville course, the Run Rabbit Run course, uh, the High Lonesome course. We've done the races. We've crewed our friends and, and other folks out here. Um, you know, I guess we just know how to get it done. We're based in Colorado. Um, me and my personal friends will will come out and crew you for most of the Colorado and Utah races. But, you know, we're, we're trying to spread our tentacles out into the world as well. And so if you're interested in crewing or pacing um, races that are local to your neck of the woods, reach out. Um, we might be able to use you, yes, but we also might be able to get you a few bucks um, while pacing and at least pay for your, you know, gas and overnight expenses and um, who knows, maybe you'll make a friend along the way, which is really what this is all about, right? Just building community, um, spending hours and hours in the woods, usually in the middle of the night with folks is a great way to bond with, with people, uh, whether you get along or not. Um, you find out the things you have in common really quick, and maybe you'll find out your differences really quick too, but... You know, that's that's the beautiful part of life. That's the beautiful part of uh, friendships. And it's the beautiful part of our business. And um, sure, we're trying to keep a roof over our head. But believe me, I'm not making much money doing any of this stuff. Uh, I just do it out of passion for the sport. And um, trying to evolve the sport just a, a tiny bit more um, from year to year. So... Uh, that's it. That's about it. That's us. That's me. Um, just wanted to give you a quick intro and tell you who I am, why you should be listening to me or why you should tune out and go listen to another podcast. There's a lot of good ones out there. I don't know why you're here, but this conversation I have today is another inspiring one. Uh, my man, Joe Kern, um, you, if, if you take a look at this gentleman, he doesn't look like a runner. <laughs> He's a big guy. And I say that respectfully. Um, you know, he's a, he's a big muscular. He's got a lot of muscle on him, too. I mean, I always wanted to be a bigger guy. And when I talked to him, he always wanted to be more my size. <laughs> the grass is always greener, I guess, right? But uh, very inspiring conversation. This guy ran across the state of Indiana, and it wasn't easy for him. Like I said, he's not built like a runner. He wasn't a natural born runner. This was something that he sort of carved himself into. And uh, this is an inspiring story. And I think you guys are going to dig it. Uh, stick around to the end of the show. Por favor. And get some discount codes on um, supporters and sponsors of this show. Um, we've got Exoskin. that makes the best running apparel. Um, you know, the best running apparel there is really. Um, it's going to keep you comfortable in any and all conditions, you know, rain, snow, uh, it's going to keep you blister free, chafe free, their socks, their shorts, their underwear, all their stuff. Um, I can't speak highly enough about these guys. Uh, we've also got discount codes for athletic brewing, non-alcoholic beer that isn't your grandfather's Oduos. 
this is the good stuff. This is high quality craft beer and there's no alcohol in it. Um, I personally stopped drinking uh, a while back, about six years ago, and uh, I enjoy a non-alcoholic beer from time to time, especially after a nice long run, like a mountain summer run. You get done and your buddies want to have a beer and, uh, you know, this is a way that I can still have a beer with them and be comfortable and not spin out of control like I've done so many times before in the past. Um, Alter Ego Hats, another one of our supporters. Um, they, they make the best running uh, running hats that there, there really are. Uh, they're, they're super lightweight, they're breathable, they're cool looking. You can wear them around town. Uh, I've got a few of them and I wear them all the time, not just when I'm running. So we've got discount codes to all those guys. Uh, Bigger Than The Trail is another one of our supporters. I highly recommend checking these guys out, especially if you think that you or someone you know may need therapy. Um, You know, it happens from time to time. Sometimes you just need to talk to somebody. And... Maybe you don't want to talk to family or friends. I mean, I highly recommend talking to family and friends, like picking up that thousand pound phone and calling a friend that you haven't talked to in 10 years that just might understand you better than anybody. I highly recommend that. But um, if you'd rather talk to a therapist and do it from the comfort of your home, you can do it on Zoom. You can do it on the phone. Hell, you can even text them back and forth if that's what makes you more comfortable. And um, it's just an easy, easy way to speak with a professional therapist um, to get your feelings out, to get some opinions, to get some feedback, and try and work your way through this crazy thing we call life that, you know, isn't always perfect. Uh, Sometimes the road deviates a little bit and we have to do some navigating. And sometimes you can't do it all on your own. Sometimes you need a little bit of help. And I love these guys. Um, Like I said, bigger than the trail. In fact, if you just want um, their support, it's btt.run slash support. And that's the best way to um, find uh, some therapy. And they are offering three free months of therapy. I don't know if I mentioned that. It's free. I tried it, and it's it's really fantastic. Um, and these are professional therapists. And, you know, I talked to my therapist for, uh, I don't know, a couple months. And I did it until I felt a little bit better. And I like having that resource as an option for me. So, um, again, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about these guys. Bigger than the trail. Um, they're a nonprofit group. You guys have to check them out. Um, biggerthanthetrail.com or btt.run slash support. Look these guys up. Um, get your mental health right so that you can go out and do big things. That's what it's all about. That's what this podcast is about. Um, last but not least, I'm on Patreon. And I would love if you guys jumped on Patreon and supported this podcast. Because like I said, I don't, I don't make much money doing this. I'm just doing it because... Uh, I like to get inspired. And uh, so, yeah, I'm on uh, patreon.com slash do big things. You can throw a dollar in the hat or $5 a month. You can do it however you want. Uh, I've got a lot of supporters for like $5 a month. Uh, You can do $10 a month. You can do a dollar a month. 
Um, or if you don't have any money, the best way to support this podcast would be to just share it on social media or write us a review on um, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. I think, well, you can't even write reviews, but you can give us five stars on Spotify. Wherever you listen to podcasts, if you could review this, it would help us greatly, help me greatly. And uh, it would inspire me to keep this thing going because sometimes I wonder what I'm doing. <laughs> Am I just talking into this mic, like just talking to myself or is anybody listening? <laughs> oh, well, all right. Um, so I love you guys. I appreciate you guys stopping by this week. Uh, great episode coming up for you guys. Like I said, my man, Joe Kern. And hang out to the end of the show, and I'm going to check back in with you guys and get you some discounts on some quality uh, products that are going to support you in your long run. Whether it's clothes, hats, beer to drink afterwards, or um, just uh, support for your mental health. I've got it all. I'm trying to keep you guys covered. All right, guys. Thank you so much. This is the Do Big Things Podcast with my man, Mr. Joe Kern. This is the Do Big Things Podcast, where we want to inspire you to do big things. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing, a service for ultra runners from beginner to elite. Not only can we get you trained up, but we can also crew you into the finish line. Find us at big-things-crewing.com. Now, here is your host, Adam McRoberts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm great, buddy. I'm great. Good. Where are you calling from? Uh, Greenfield, Indiana, which is Indiana. a suburb of Indianapolis. Okay. Okay. It's and the next you... major city east of Indianapolis. Got it. Got it. Have you been in Indiana your whole life? Born and raised. Okay. Yep. In the same town? Uh, started out, uh, was born in Indianapolis. And then once I become an adult, went all the way through high school in Indianapolis. And then once I become an adult, I moved out, you know, okay. out okay. to the burbs. Yeah. Well, I think the main reason you're on this podcast today is obviously the podcast is do big things. You did a big thing. <laughs> you ran uh, all the way across Indiana and I want to hear all about it, but let's, uh, let's build up to it. Like, how did this all start? Like, have you always been a runner? Have you always been athletic? Like, tell me about the, the early years. So I've always been in sports, but I've never been a runner. Um, in fact, uh, you know, the mile that you do in high school gym class, that was my longest run ever until I was about 33 years old when I decided to pick up running. Um, I was, <laughs> I was, a, I was a wrestler during school. Um, I wrestled, you know, all the way through school. Um, and running was punishment. You know what I mean? Running was cutting weight to make weight for the weekend tournaments. Um, for me, it was never anything that was fun. It was, uh, usually either a punishment or just a way to cut weight. Um, you know, I played football and, 
uh, back then I wasn't a, necessarily a big guy like I am now. So football wasn't really for me. You know, everyone grew faster than I did. Um, but wrestling kept me in shape. Uh, uh, to this day, I still officiate wrestling, high school wrestling. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, during seasons, and I, I love doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, I wish I could do it full time. It's just not a, not a thing you can do full time. You know, yeah. so. But I really enjoy doing that. Uh, keeps me around the sport. Keeps me engaged. Nice. Yep. Well, wrestling's hard work, man. I I didn't wrestle in high school, but after a few years out of high school, I uh, was studying martial arts and eventually got myself into a bunch of jujitsu and doing jujitsu. I was like, God, why didn't I wrestle in high school? They're (laughs) they're very similar and very different at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. But what it taught me was how hard wrestlers really work, man. Mm -hmm. I didn't really realize that in high school. I just thought, man, these crazy jocks are just, they're not like me. You know, I wasn't really particularly athletic either but man, those guys work harder than anybody. So I put have a, respect. <laughs> we put a lot of work in for something that the match is only six minutes. Right. I mean, you work, you, you work really hard to, to get a good six minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, if you don't mind, like paint us a picture of like when you were working your hardest back in your wrestling days, um, tell people what that looked like because most people don't understand really how hard those guys work and then there's the weight cutting aspect of it and man i i know it's tough i have nothing but respect for it but paint us a quick picture if you don't mind well uh yeah like we'll go with my senior year because that was my more successful year but um you know i walked in the wrestling room 193 pounds and i was expected to wrestle 160 all year Whoa. Um, that's a huge <laughs> weight cut you that's know a lot and even when I cut all the way down to that weight, it was, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd make weight for Saturday. Then by Monday, I'm 12, 13, 14 pounds over. Then you spend the whole week losing that 12, 13 pounds. You get down on Saturday, you put it back on, you have to do it again on Monday. It's a constant cycle. Um, the things you see on TV, the guys wearing the sweats, the practice in the hot room. And a lot of that's right, right on the money. I mean, uh, we, we did a lot of that kind of stuff. And of course you're losing water weight. You're not losing permanent weight. Um, but when you're losing that much weight, you've lost about as much fat as you could do lose, you know, you're, you're burning muscle a lot of times, unfortunately. Um, and this was 25 years ago and I wish I'd have known now what I know then. Um, I, uh, you don't, you don't do it the smartest way, obviously. Um, you know, you learn the more you do it, better ways of doing it. Um, but it was, uh, it was great for me, the, just the sport itself. Um, I've always said wrestlers have an extra gear. They have that extra, that extra gas tank, that extra gear. They can dig down deep. And, and to be honest with you, I know a lot of wrestlers who become ultra runners, um, and they have that extra gear, you know, they, they can, dig down deep when it, when it gets tough, when you, when you hit the wall during a race. A hundred percent. Yeah, man. Like, like I said, like I did some martial arts, did a bunch of jujitsu. Eventually that led me into a little bit of MMA and training for MMA and cutting weight for that. And just the dealing with the sheer nerves of going in and, and really having to fight somebody in a cage man, that just made ultra marathons real, like <laughs> so much easier for me. Like, there's, <laughs> there's never nerves when I walk up to a starting line. Right. You know what I'm saying? No one's going to punch you at the starting line. <laughs> no one's going to punch me. No one's going to choke me out. This is an easy day, man. So yeah, it helped me in my sort of evolution, I think. And 
but um, were, were you running as training for wrestling back then? Very little. Um, for me, cutting weight usually was just the, the sport of wrestling itself. Right. Um, we would, we would do sprints at the end of practice. We would do stairs. We would do, um, and cardio back then, my cardio was, was outrageous. I mean, you know, I could go all day. It seemed like, um, but running, like I said, I never ran more than a mile, you know, until I got into my thirties, Okay, just didn't have any interest in it. Just, it was boring to me at the time. Yeah. Well, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so you were just mainly like wearing a sweatsuit wrestling to try and get the weight off yep um were you doing sauna work and were you like one of those guys carrying a little cup around spitting it in all day everything you heard is probably true yeah everything <laughs> yeah we did we, yeah. we would turn the showers up to hot and jump rope and in the showers and yeah everything you've heard is probably something i've tried in the past no doubt <laughs> i love it i love it um, well, what happened after high school? Um, did you, um, did you train re uh, wrestling like collegiately or what happened after high school? I didn't, I had a couple options to go collegiate, but I ended up uh, going into the workforce. Um, I, uh, got into, uh, I do commercial carpentry and I have ever since I got out of school 20 some years now. Um, and I just went straight into work, uh, apprenticeship. I did a four year apprenticeship. Um, so I do. Uh, a lot of uh, school buildings, uh, government type buildings, uh, larger commercial type. Right now, we're doing a lot of uh, warehouses because, you know, with Amazon and everything exploding and everyone getting everything delivered here in the Indianapolis area, we have warehouses popping up everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, a lot of uh, logistics, you know, they ship stuff to these warehouses, which hold it and ship it back out. We're building a lot of those type things. We do a lot of hospital work. Uh, I've specialized in hospital work for, for quite a few years now. Um, so I got into that right out of high school. Um, you know, and to be honest with you, once, once, uh, high school was over, I've kind of just let everything go. You know, I, it's the classic story of, uh, quit working out, uh, wouldn't step on the scale for years. You know, I didn't want to be anywhere near a scale. And before you know it, I went and had my pictures taken and I didn't recognize the fat guy in the picture. You know, I put on so much weight um, and it, I didn't see it. Um, and then when I turned about uh, 30, 32, 33 years old, I said, you know, I really want to do a, a half marathon. That's all I want to do is a half marathon. And I went to the treadmill and I got on it and I lasted about 45 seconds and I was done. I couldn't run a full minute. And I just said, well, tomorrow we're going to try to run a full minute, you know, and we ran a full minute. And the next day was let's run two. Okay. Let's run four. Let's run eight. And it just kind of, it took forever to get to that distance, you know? Um, and I've always said I've retired from running more times than anybody I've known. Uh, when I finished my first half marathon, I said, okay, I'm, I'm done with running. I'm, I'm never doing it again. And then I was like, well, you know, maybe we'll do another one. And then I got introduced to trail running. And then of course, you know, trail running, you hear about ultras, and it's just like, well, you know, a 50K is only a few more miles than a 26. So let's see if we can squeak one of those out. And I just got hooked. And every time I went the, the higher distance, I said, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm retiring. I'm done. I'm never doing that again. And every time it just, we go longer and longer. She was like. <laughs> <laughs> Why running? It sounds like you didn't have a natural predisposition to be a runner. It sounds like you were a bigger guy. Was it? just that um you knew that that was an easy well a way to lose weight or like why did you fall on running and not 
lacrosse or bowling or something? Oh, great question. Um, you know what it was, honestly, because I'm about six foot. I weigh about 230, you know, okay. not, a, not a whole lot of ultra runners, 230 <laughs> pounds, you no. know, we're few and far between. Um, I always said if they had weight classes in ultra running, I'd win every time, but <laughs> they don't. <laughs> um, for me, at first, it was a, it was a cheap sport to get into. You need shoes. I mean, it's really all you need. Um, and it was, uh, it's always been therapy for me. It's always been, um, get out there. And once I discovered trail running, it's just like speed hiking. I mean, really, I mean, you're getting out in the woods, you're getting in nature. Um, so I'll, I'll put, I'll get a book on tape or a podcast, or I've listened to your podcast many times while running through the woods, you know? Mm. Um, so for me, once I learned you know, when you're running, it's not necessarily a sprint, you know, you got to learn your pace. You got to learn, you know, where you, where you need to be. And, um, once I figured that out and once I slowed down a little bit, uh, I just enjoyed being outside. So for me, it was a no brainer. Um, you know, Indiana is one of those States where the summers are, are, are hot and the winters are cold, you know, and it stinks being outside, you know, that time of year, but, um, I've gotten to the point now to where, you know, heat of the summer or coldest part of winter, we're still outside in it, you know, trekking through the snow and everything else. Yeah. I just, I just enjoy doing it, you know, yeah. Yeah. being outside. For sure. I grew up in Wisconsin, so it's not too far away from you. So I understand that, that heat and that cold, man. Uh, yeah. You gotta love it. <laughs> right. It's very humid in the Midwest. Oh, definitely. Um, were you working out or going to a gym or anything before, you started running or was it just zero to all right, we're going to do a half marathon. Pretty much. It was zero to half marathon. I, <laughs> I had dropped everything. I lifted weights in the past. Um, and I, I quit doing that. Um, I did uh, a couple years ago, I picked up CrossFit, me and my daughter did CrossFit for a while and I loved it. Um, I love the motions of CrossFit, but, uh, shoulder injury, elbow injury, forearm injury, I just couldn't grip the bar and do the, the exercises they were required us to do. And I'm 42. I just turned 42, you know, and I, I do a manual labor job. So when you're doing manual labor all day and then you go home and try to throw weights around, um, it gets the better of you sooner or later. It's just, it just wears you, it wears you down. So I did CrossFit for about two years, but, uh, went back to running. I mean, that's, it, it really is an addiction for me now. I I'm, I'm, you probably feel the same way. I, I, if I don't run, I, I feel weird. You know, yeah. I've gotten to the point where if I don't get at least a couple miles in, I feel off, totally. you know? Yeah. Do you have an addictive personality? Um, yes. once you find something you like, <laughs> <laughs> which you... isn't a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the, how has that manifested in your life? Um, you mentioned that you gained weight. Are, are you a food lover? Were you drinking too much beer? Like, like, where were you at before you started this journey? I'm actually not a, not a beer drinker. Um, but I do like to eat. I do like yeah. food, you know, yeah. and even like today, uh, even if I, uh, went on a strict diet, I'd still be over 200 pounds. Probably. I'm just genetically, yeah. genetically a bigger guy. Um, but yeah, I like to eat. And a lot of times I use that as an excuse, you know, it's like, Oh, I ran 10 miles today. I can eat whatever I want for dinner, you know, um, which 
never helps. I dropped a bunch of weight a couple of years ago. I got down to about 185 pounds. And it just did not look good. Uh, you know, on my frame, 185 pounds looks sick, you know, so sure. uh, I got to find a good median when it comes to that. As far as addictive personality, there's a lot of stuff that's not allowed in my house because <laughs> because well, I don't smart. Wanna, I don't want to spend all my time. I've always said there's no video games in my house because I know I'll sit there and play them all day. Yep. So I just don't have them. <laughs> smart man. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it sounds like you're just naturally a big guy. Did you really struggle with weight? Were you looking in the mirror saying like I'm just super fat and I need to lose weight, or are you just just a 230 pound guy that likes to get outside and do a little running and hiking. Yeah. Like when I got out of high school, I was about 200 pounds, 195, 200 pounds. Um, and honestly, if I, if I didn't run, I would, I would have a weight problem. Um, you know, I stick around 220 to 230. I've been as high as 245. Uh, and that was when I was taking a break and it just crept up on me, you know, um, I really do have to diet. I always said, it's funny. I, I run 50, 50 miles a week just to stay overweight. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> if I'm not careful, it'll get away from me real quick. And, um, even if I'm eating good and I'm, I just, the weights there, it's just something I deal with, you know, and okay. I'm not necessarily a, uh, I don't know what you'd call a fat guy, but I do have extra pounds on me. There's no doubt about that. You know, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm just trying to sort of get a picture in my head of, um, you know, how this, where the story's going. And to be honest, I purposely didn't do much research on you because I wanted the story to sort of unfold as, as we were talking here. So, and I can only see your head, you know, so I don't know, like maybe there's, (laughs) maybe there's a lot going on down there. I don't know, (laughs) but I totally get it, man. So, okay. So, um, which, what, what was your first half marathon? Was it in Indiana? Um, let me see. Yeah. So very Indianapolis used, it may still be the largest in the world. It used to have the largest half marathon in the world. Um, in May, um, they call it the Indy mini and it's at one time it was 35 to 40,000 participants and you run around the, the famous, uh, Indianapolis motor speedway where they have the Indy 500. Um, it was a huge one. And it's just, if you're from Indiana, Indianapolis, that's the one you want to do. You know, there's, uh, there's live bands, the whole route, there's people cheering for you. It's very interactive. It's a very, it takes your mind off what you're doing. So it's an easy race to run, you know? Um, so that was my first one. And like I said, once I signed up for that and it was over, I said, Hey, I'm done running, you know, but, uh, of course that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so this race, I, I'm not super familiar with it. Is the whole thing around that, that race course, or is that where like the last lap is, is that where it ends? It's actually dead center. Um, it's a two mile loop. The, the motor speedway is a two mile loop. And okay. I think it's like from mile six to eight or seven to nine, right? In that range. Um, so you enter the track, you run one loop and then you exit the track. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go back to almost where you started. So it's, it's in the middle actually. Okay. Um, okay. But it's cool. It's one of those, uh, it's a novelty thing. You know, it's, it's not the greatest half marathon, but it has that one thing in the middle that always have people coming out to, yeah. to do it. And a lot of people do it. It sounds like I live in yes. Boulder and we've got the Boulder Boulder here. That's uh, like the largest 10 K I think in the country, it's just huge. And same type of thing. There's, 
bands playing and you know in the middle of the race you can run on someone's lawn and do like a slip and slide and you know it's got it all you can grab a bloody mary while you're running it's got it all but you know it's just a big party it's a blast and it's it comes around every year and you don't want to miss it so i'm dying to get out to colorado i haven't been out there to run yet it's a different it's a different beast than indiana obviously i mean you, you run a lot of flats around here you know it's hard to find any kind of elevation gain but I'm I'm dying to get out to, to that whole area, the Utah and Colorado and and try some of the trails out there. Well, I have a feeling your addictive personality is <laughs> gonna gonna once you get out here and get a taste of some of that vertical, uh, some of that hiking and some of the running out here, I think your addictive personality is gonna be like, I need to either move there or sign up for a race there or something. <laughs> That's how I'm it was for to me. the I'm an empty nester now, so I might just go ahead and move out. Ah, you, nice. might, you might get a new neighbor. Okay. Right on. <laughs> right on. How many kids do you have? I have two. Um, and they're graduating high school uh, okay. real soon. Yep. Okay. Okay. Is that going to change your life at all? You said you're going to be an empty nester. Are you making big plans for any other big runs coming, coming down the pipe? It makes it easier to get yeah. away. Um, I got, let's see the, so in three weeks from right now, I have, uh, it's called the ATR 24 hour run and it's over just outside of Washington, DC. It's in Virginia. Um, and it is a tough for, for what I'm used to. It is a tough, tough run. Uh, a lot of elevation. Um, the trails are just, I mean, rocks and roots everywhere. I mean, you really got to watch what you're doing. Um, so for me, it's kind of hard to train for, um, uh, but that's here in three weeks. And then I actually got accepted into the Yeti 100 uh, in September. So I, they have a lottery for the Yeti. And I, first time I ever tried to get in, I put my name in and got accepted. So, nice. so okay. we're going to do the Yeti this fall. Right on. Is that going to be your first 100? No, I did my first 100, let's see, two years ago. Okay. Uh, it was during 2020. And Indiana only has one 100 race, or it did at the time up in Northern Indiana. And I signed up for that and they canceled because of, uh, the whole COVID. And then I signed up for one in Michigan, just over the border and they canceled. Mm. Um, and I ended up doing one in Tennessee. It was the only one I could find, you know, I was training for the fall. So I, I, I was already training. I didn't want to start over. So right. I just looked around for anyone I could find. And, and I found one down in Tennessee and ended up doing that one. Um, so I've done one, 100, and then, of course, I've done the run across Indiana, which was a little farther than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm probably doing a, a bad job of staying on a timeline here. I'm jumping around, but I want to go back to the half marathon. Like, when you were training for that, what was that like? I mean, in your mind, you were going to run, do a half marathon and then be done. Right. So, um, like, where was your head at and what was that training like? And were you just putting everything like, I, I remember when I trained, this is embarrassing, but like when I trained for my first half marathon, I was training for it. Like it was war. Like I remember being out in the middle of the night, I have to do a 10 mile <laughs> run or, you know, <laughs> it seemed like such a big deal at the time. I, but, I do remember. I was just saying to something to, to a running buddy of mine the other day that when you're training for your first half, it seems impossible. Yeah. And then nowadays it's like i'll go out on a monday after work and do a half right you know and it's just it shows you how how mental it is you know that i've always said if you know if you want to do a if you're wanting to do a a, a 10 mile run you know 10 miles might be hard but if you're trying to do a 20 mile run that same 10 miles seems a lot easier mm -hmm. um it's just 
it's a lot in your head as far as that goes. Um, my training then was, I'm all self-taught, you know, um, I've never had a coach. I've never run during school. So for me, it was, yeah, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try to do five. And once I got five, it's like, okay, we're going to try to do six this week. And it just kind of stair-stepped up, you know, and, uh, fortunately I learned the wrong way of doing a lot of things. Um, which is important because once you learn the wrong way, you know what not to do. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, for me, it was all self-taught as far as doing the half. Um, okay. And then after the half, well, previous to the half, you said you were going to do the half and then that was going to be it. But after you finished the half, how long was it before you started thinking, eh, maybe I could do a marathon? Honestly, a couple of days. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And then after my first marathon, I ran my first marathon. Also, it was also in Indianapolis. And uh, when I finished that, it was the same thing. It's like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. This is ridiculous. Uh, and then I found trail running. I didn't know trail running was a thing. Yeah. I stumbled into it one time and, uh, you know, did a little 5K or whatever it was. And the guys were talking about running 50 milers and 100 Ks. And I'm like, that blew my mind. I had no idea what they were talking about. You right, know? Right, right. Um, so were you where like were you drawing inspiration from anywhere i'm always curious like um if people are were reading certain books or watching certain movies that were inspiring them to go out and run these longer distances or was this just all something that was going on inside your head like um yeah like what what was that like so first of all i see the t-shirt you got on there and if, yeah. it, if it wasn't for David Goggins, I never ah. would have run uh, ultras. Okay. Uh, you know, I've listened to a podcast at work a lot. And uh, I got turned on to the Joe Rogan podcast years ago. And I never heard of who David Goggins was. I had no idea. And his first interview on Rogan ah. uh, really got me fired up, you know. Um, and I, I put a lot of inspiration. Then you start watching YouTube videos. And then you start... You know, I've listened to his book many a times. Mm -hmm. um, he's a huge inspiration for me um, because he was overweight, because, the, you know, the deck was stacked against him in so many ways um, to watch somebody overcome everything. Yeah. Uh, he talks about his heart condition. He talks about, you know, a lot of things that he was able to overcome. So I pull a ton of inspiration from him. And honestly, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't, uh, I probably would never would have got into ultra running. <laughs> I think he's responsible for getting so many people out running. Like it's crazy. Like I have people come to me as client looking for a running coach as clients. And uh, they come to me and they're like, I just want to be like David Goggins or I read David Goggins book. And now I'm wondering if this is possible for me. Like he has inspired so many people and you know, he's probably got some haters out there too, but um, yeah, what a beast. Um, but if you discovered him, at his first interview with Joe Rogan, you must've been running previous to that. I was. Um, so that was the kind of, that was the time period where I would train for a half and I would run that half. And then, like I said, I would quit. And then I would uh, just get inspired by anything, anything and everything. And I'd be like, okay, maybe I'll go do another one. Maybe I'll go do another one. It was very hit and miss at the time, you know, um, at any time I could have been done with running. Uh, I was still kind of hit and miss. Um, so as far as inspiration, it was, some of it was just wanting to lose weight. You know, some of it was just wanting to be fit. 
Um, but, you know, I, I guess that's where I get a lot of it from. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm just trying to figure out like everybody's got a different why. Like, um, and I'm just trying to pinpoint like what your why is. Is it mainly just to stay in shape, which is a perfectly logical answer, or is it um, like a form of self-expression or have you put much thought into that? Yeah, it's multiple reasons. You know, I like the social aspect of running ultras. I like getting out there with people that you've never met and you're side by side and you run with them for three or four hours and you learn their whole life story. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I like that part of it. I like, um, we're doing something that only a fraction of people have done. You know, we normalize it because everybody we know does it. Um, but re realistically, only a fraction of a fraction of 1% of people run ultra marathons. Um, so there's a little bit of pride in that. I've always said, you know, I'll never dunk a basketball and I'll never hit a home run, uh, but I can run an ultra marathon. You know, that's something I can control. Damn right. Um, so for me, it's like with my physical abilities, I want to do the hardest thing I can do, you know? Um, and for me, that's, that's running ultras. That's something that people, people hear you run ultras. They think you're crazy. You know, I hear it almost every day, you know, but for me in, in our little niche community, I'm pretty normal. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. So how did this idea creep into your head about running across Indiana? Um, and, and where, on the ultra marathon timeline, does that fall in? Had you already run your first hundred miler at that point? So that's, that's where the story gets pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> I ran, let's see, this is 2022. So it would have been 2020, October of 2020. I ran my first hundred miler. Um, uh, my father, which is where a lot of this story comes from. He's 86 this year, the year he turned, 70 he's a he's a preacher he decided to do a fundraiser and walk across the state of indiana mm -hmm. uh luckily indiana is not a huge state it's about 160 i say it's 168 miles it's give or take right in that range um so he was going to do it in six days so he uh he went for six months and he started raising money and uh, uh wanted to raise money for for a charity of his choice and so he, uh, he walked across the state in six days and I always got a lot of inspiration out of that. And of course my dad's getting older, you know, and once I run that hundred miler, it's something that's always stayed in my brain that I want to do something like that, something like that, you know, he's getting older. His health is not what it was. And I wanted to do it while he was still with us. So that October I said, okay, next October we're doing it, you know, and I started making plans uh, 12 months out. Uh, and then that spring I made it official and, and, you know, uh, bought a website and, and did the whole thing. And that's where the whole inspiration comes from was watching him do it at 70 years old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What did that look like for him at 70 years old, walking across the state? Was he staying in hotels every night or what, what was that like? So he did, uh, he did a little different. What he would do is he would walk, he was doing about 28 miles a day. So he would walk his 28 miles which at walking pace is a big chunk of the day. Yeah. Um, and then he would actually get picked up, drive home, sleep in his own bed, get Whoa. dropped off where he got picked up. 
And he did that every night for six no nights. No way. In a row. Holy yeah. cow. That seems like way more work than it's worth. That's a lot of driving back and forth. No kidding. But when you're 70 years old, you want a comfortable bed. Okay. <laughs> and he must have had a good support crew if they were willing to drive him back and forth every day. Yeah, like that. there was a lot of people that helped him out doing that. But nice. Uh, nice. it was very impressive for me to remember him, remember him doing that. Absolutely. And were you out there with him trying to help him or? Um... The last day, well, I walked, uh, I walked the last 20 miles, 18 miles, whatever it was. I did that with him on the, on the final day. Yeah. Okay. He did have some, some people who were able to take the week off of work and, and support him the whole time and, uh, you know, keep him safe for the most part, okay. uh, because. And he was raising money for, was it for the church or what was he raising money for? Yeah, he was raising money for the, uh, the actually the, uh, uh, what was it? The Widows and Orphans Fund uh, for the Church of God, which is uh, nationwide. Okay. Um, so he was able to raise some money for that. It's, it's uh, a lot of it is for a lot of smaller churches. You know, they don't have like a pension fund. Um, they don't have a retirement for some of these older ministers. So uh, it's kind of to support the, the widows of these ministers. Okay. Okay. And, um, and then you decided you were going to do your adventure one year after, is that right? So your dad, no, did this not- is, he did it in, uh, uh, well, he was 70. So I think it was 2007 is when he did this. Oh, okay. So okay. I sat on this idea for a while. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Is your dad? Of course, still I never thought. Yeah. He's still with us. Yep. Oh, okay. So we got to see you do this thing. That was a big deal for me. Yeah. To yeah. be able to see him there with me. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. He was a big part of my crew, my crew and support as well. Yep. Okay. So the early stages of planning this thing and, and mapping out the logistics, um, like, what did that look like? Did you, and, and did you decide to take the exact same tracks that your dad did? Like whether it was East to West or West to East or, um, yeah, I'm just like, how did you plan all this out? So I went, I actually went opposite of what he did. He went east to west. I went west to east. Um, and my whole reasoning was my, the town that I live in is right on the road that I was running through. And I didn't want to go through it at uh, one in the morning. So if I went from west to east, I would go through at midday. Um, that way more support could be out there. You know, people could come out. Um, as far as logistics, you're talking to a guy who is about one step ahead of a caveman. So when it comes to technology, yeah, man, it's rough. You're really lucky that we've got connected right now because I'm, I'm terrible at everything. Um, but my, my girlfriend, who is, I call her my crew chief, she helped me out on all that. You know, I've never had a social media page. I've never had anything. And she set it up. She had made a Facebook page for the run. Um, she set me up a GoFundMe account. She set up all that stuff for me. Nice. Um, so that was all on her shoulders. She did a great job at it. Okay. What did you decide you were trying to raise money for? So when I originally decided to do this run, believe it or not, I chose not to make it a fundraiser. Um, I just wanted to run it. I just wanted to do, a, you know, for whatever reason, I just, for me, it's, it's a lot of work. And for me, it was like, let's just concentrate on running, you know? Yeah. Um, but a buddy of mine, Kevin, he, he said, uh, he said, man, you're going to do, he's actually a journalist. He said, you're doing this anyway. He said, you know, you might as well raise money for a good cause. You know, people love donating to something like this, you know. So the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, okay, I, I, I get what you're saying. We decided to raise money for the food pantry there in the, the county that I live in um, simply because it is a 
small nonprofit. Um, I think all I think all these charities are great, but when you get into the the larger charities, there's a lot of money wasted on overhead and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, this particular charity, even though it was going to help locally and not nationwide, um, they don't have any overhead. Everyone's a volunteer, so literally one per one hundred percent of the money that they got uh, went to the food pantry to help them out. Okay. Okay. What did people think initially when you're, when you're pitching this idea to them, uh, you know, a 220 or 230 pound guy that comes in and says he's going to run across the state. It's like, uh, okay. Uh, you don't really look like a runner. Like, <laughs> no, I look more like a linebacker than a runner. Uh, they probably have the same doubts I had. I mean, I didn't know I could do it to be honest with you. Uh, I never went that far. Uh, I think 30 hours was my longest run or no 27. 27 hours was my longest run. Uh, and this was going to take, I was projected to anywhere from 48 to 50 hours. Um, okay. It just, it seemed impossible. It seemed impossible when I said it, you know, um, but I had to attempt it. It was something I just wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then um, um, like I'm, I'm also just stuck on logistics here. Like, were you carrying a backpack? Were you pushing like a, a three wheel cart with all your stuff in it? And where were you sleeping at night? Was it side of the road hotel? Was someone driving you home every night? So, um, let's see logistics. Uh, I had a great crew. Um, I started on Friday morning at 7am at the Illinois line and, uh, my girlfriend was out there with me and she would drive up about five miles, which took me an hour, hour and 15 minutes, whatever it took me at the time. And she would sit there and wait. And then I would run to her, get what I need. She'd drive up five more miles. She'd drive up five more miles. That whole Friday, she just five miles at a time on the side of the road. Um, and then when she needed a break, my dad, he drove out and he would go five miles at a time with me. Um, now, I was listening to your podcast last week. Uh, I don't remember his name. I apologize. The guy who ran across Iowa, um, he yes. brought up a really good point. He said, he said, you know, the guy running gets all the credit for running, but in reality, it takes a whole, it takes a whole fleet of people to do this job. I mean, to, to do something like this. And I had, oh man, probably 15 to 20 crew members, uh, at certain points during the race, helped me out with this. Um, wow. So I never had to carry anything. Um, I did have one stretch where I was by myself for a long time. So I carried water, but um, I don't think I ever went more. You got me okay? Yeah, I got you. I lost you there for a second. So um, I think that you said you, you didn't really have to um, carry a backpack or anything like that. Your, your support crew was out there helping with most of that stuff. Yeah, they were great. Um, as far as sleeping, I, I didn't sleep much. Uh, I slept for three total hours the whole weekend. Whoa. Uh, I ran my first, I ran 30 hours and then I took a two hour quick nap on the, in my girlfriend's car. And then I ran for eight hours, took a 30 minute nap, eight more hours, took a 30 minute nap and then finished it out. Wow. Um, so three hours total. And it was great. It was either in the front seat of someone's car. I had a buddy who lived right on that road. Uh, you know, and I, uh, crashed in his driveway for 30 minutes. Um, 
but yeah, I only took three hours off for the whole weekend. So sleeping wasn't too much of an issue. Nice. Um, and then, so you had your girlfriend and your dad, and you said that you had like almost, what'd you say, 20 or 30 people out there at, at one point. So what was it like family and friends that just came out to support or were they actually helping crew you? There was both. It was, uh, I told you I referee and I had like, uh, six other referees come out, uh, just to show their support. Mostly cool. I have one of my buddies, he ran about 30 some miles total with me. Um, I had people bring me pizza. I had people bring me cheeseburgers. I had, uh, people I didn't even know. Uh, one of my good buddies now that I, that I run with, um, I'm sitting there running. I'm at about mile 102 and my phone rings and I pick it up and this guy's like, Hey, this is Dean. I want to come run with you. And I'm like, okay, Dean, I don't know you, but yeah, come on, bud. Let's go run. And, uh, that was at one of my lowest points. Uh, he was like my trail angel cause he brought me some food and, and got me rolling again. Um, but, uh, it was amazing how many people showed up. I said, I probably could have knocked three hours off my total time, but every time somebody came out, I'd stop and I talked for 10 to 15 minutes with them, you know, and, uh, you know, it was so many people were coming out. It was, it was amazing how many people showed up, even if it was just a wave, you know, and, and shake a hand or whatever, or, or some people come out to run five miles or, uh, it, it honestly couldn't have went better. The whole thing couldn't have went better. It was amazing. Mm. Um, and I'm also just trying to picture this. Were you wearing reflective gear or anything so that people knew what you were doing? Were you carrying a big sign saying I'm running across Indiana? Like, or was this just on the down low? Like hardly anybody knows about it. I'm like, I'm just trying to picture this. It made, it made the local papers, um, okay. you know, and it, uh, we had a, we had a Facebook page, which got sent around, but I tell you what, man, cause it was, it's highway 40, which runs right through, uh, Indiana. And I was lit up like a Christmas tree, man. I had, uh, <laughs> I had little, uh, they're for bikes, I guess you clip them on and they blink different colors. Yep. And I had those clipped all over me. I had a big headlamp, um, you know, I ran into traffic and when there was no traffic, I'd step out into the road a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, uh, it was pretty intense because there's certain spots where there is no shoulder of the road. You just got to be careful, you know? Right, right. That's what I was going to ask is like, how busy is this highway we're talking about? It's pretty busy. Uh, when you get in the smaller towns, it dies off a little bit, but it's the main road that runs east to west through, through Indiana and through Indianapolis. Um, so there's some spots where you may have a four or five foot shoulder and there's some spots where you have 18 inch shoulder. Uh, you just got to really be careful. And when cars are coming, you know, when I had my headlamp, I would kind of flip my head up so they could kind of see me, you know, kind of try to catch their attention. Um, but you do got to be careful. You got to be awake. Um, because you know, somebody on their cell phone could clip you pretty easy if you're not paying attention. So you got to kind of pay attention to every car that's coming. Yeah. Did you have a time goal going into this or did you just want to finish? I think you might've mentioned 48 or 50 hours. I, I, my original goal was 48, but I wasn't sure how realistic that was. Cause I've never run that far before. Um, so I knew it was going to be tough to do 48. Um, but that was my original goal was 48. I think we ended up 52 and a half hours total is what it ended up being. Okay. Uh, my also, my original goal was to run straight through without stopping at all. Uh, and I did stop for three hours worth of sleep, but mm. honestly, if I wouldn't have stopped for that three hours, I don't know if I would have made it. 
about mile 130, I started hallucinating pretty bad, um, which was a lot of fun, but uh, <laughs> the sleep deprivation was starting to kick in at that point. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you get to watch three sunrises on one run, that's what I call a long run. <laughs> <laughs> that's a long run, sir. Huh? <laughs> that is a long run right there. Do you see three sunrises? I like that. <laughs> um, hallucinations. What were you, anything that's worth sharing that you saw or was it all just crazy gibberish? A lot of it was gibberish. Uh, so I'm running on this section of highway and it's about three in the morning and the there was no traffic and i mean no traffic you could see for miles and there was nothing so i ended up turning all my lights off and i was kind of running in the dark just running by the moonlight and uh, it was kind of a one of those where like uh time stands still for a little bit or time goes way too fast you know you could be running and you, you think it's 30 seconds later and it's five minutes later um so I had a lot of that going on. And I think a lot of that was just sensory issues because I was so tired, you know, from mm -hmm. running for so long. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have nothing crazy. I had nobody talking to me or nothing like that, but uh, I was finding myself kind of veering out into the road, which could have been dangerous if there was any cars, yeah. but uh, luckily there was, there was nobody coming. But okay. at that point I, I said, I have to, cause I was going to try to run the rest of the way through. But at that point I said, I just need 30 more minutes. If I'm going to, if I'm going to make this, you know? Right. Right. Um, and then I'm always curious about like, what was the lowest point and what was the highest point? Like the point, <laughs> the lowest point I'm picturing, maybe you're crawling on a highway, the highest point you're running eight minute miles going, yes, I'm the man. <laughs> so yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, <laughs> I was, my lowest point was like mile 102. I had just went through my hometown or the town I live in. Um, and mentally I just started to break, you know, physically I felt good. My legs were okay. My knees were okay. I had a few blisters that I had popped, but they were fine. I had no problems. Physically I was, I couldn't believe how good a shape I was in at a mile 102. Mentally I was starting to break. Um, why am I doing this? I'm four miles from my house. I could go home and lay down. I could, no you know, kidding. Um, so, so that was the lowest of low points. Um, it's funny. The highest point I had was, I can't remember if it was just before or just after the hallucinations. Um, I started taking off and I had, had a buddy of mine who was on a motorcycle and he was going up and down the highway kind of, uh, just kind of spotting me for the most part. He'd go up a couple miles, then come back, and then go back up, and go back and forth. Uh, I can't run a six-minute mile to save my life, and I was running a six-minute mile 130 miles into this run. Damn. <laughs> I just nice. felt good. I just took off. There was a slight downhill, and I had some good music in my ear, and I just took off, and he's beside me on a motorcycle, and he's like, what are you doing? Is you know What's wrong with you? I'm feeling good, man. Let's go. Um, I obviously wasn't in the right state of mind. There's no reason to run that fast when you're doing an ultra marathon. Uh, but yeah, that was my highest point. I felt untouchable at the moment. Isn't aren't those beautiful moments though? <laughs> like, sure. It's probably not the smartest to be running that fast at that point in the game. Oh, ridiculous. But, ridiculous. Yeah. But looking back, you're probably going to remember that for a long time because you're Absolutely. just so naturally high. It's just yep. such a good feeling. Yeah, that was a good time. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And, and um, 
you know, I want to break from the story before we get to the finish and, and go back a little bit, because we didn't really talk about your training leading up to this. Um, what was your, tra- was your training specific towards this event? Were you like running a lot of roads um, and trying to sort of mimic this highway that you were on? Or were you just trying to catch a certain amount of miles a week? Or what was the training like leading up to this? So once again, I'm self-trained on a lot of this stuff. So it's just kind of, you know, do what feels good, you know, but um, I did start running almost exclusive roads and I don't like running roads. I like running trails, you know? So for me to go running roads, it was just, I didn't love it. I still did trail runs. I still did trail races. Um, Yeah. I did some 50 K's to kind of get, get some miles in just for my sanity, get some miles on the trails. Um, but I was doing a lot of roads. We have some parks that are paved. Um, they got paved trails. So that's kind of the best of both worlds. You can get some pavement, but yet you're still getting a little bit of rise. You're into the trees. You're not on the streets. Um, so that was kind of the best of both worlds. I did a lot of, a lot of those, uh, runs just to, uh, try to keep my sanity a little bit because it's kind of like a trail, but even though it's pavement, you know, um, and I was doing, I learned the hard way that I'm not a seven day a week runner. You know, it's hard on my knees to do seven days a week. Um, but I did learn that if I put in like a 10 to 12 mile on a Tuesday and then take Wednesday off, and then I could do another eight to 12 mile on a Thursday, as long as I'm getting my long 20, 30 miles in on Saturday or Sunday, um, I felt pretty good about it. Uh, I think I had one week where I did 102 miles, uh, which was the most, um, during that time. Um, but really I was only aiming for 50, 60 miles a week. Usually okay. is about all I, all I would get. And I felt pretty good. I felt yeah. pretty good with that. Yeah. That's pretty adequate. I don't think yeah. you need really much more than that. Um, what kind of shoes were you wearing? Because like we mentioned, you're a bigger guy. So mm-hmm. uh, were you wearing the Hoka's to try and protect your body or what was that like for you? So I'm not brand loyal, but that being said, I have six pair of the Brooks Ghost. Um, ah, okay. They're good. They're good for bigger guys. Stability and shoe. Once I found that shoe, I just went and bought six different pairs. Okay. <laughs> and okay. I just rotated through them. Nice. Uh, and speaking of that, one of the things that really helped me with this run was every four hours, whether I felt like it or not, it was chain shoes, chain socks, uh, you know, re-lube up everything because I've learned the hard way when you don't lube stuff up correctly. Once you start chafing, there's no undoing it, you know. No kidding. So I, I always try to stay ahead of that and, and lube everything up real good. Um, but, yeah, the Brooks Ghost is what I wear on the uh, pavement. Uh, I'm pretty hardcore with that. Uh, I got for the trail, I wear Brooks Cascadias. And I also got a pair of the uh, Hoka Torrents um, that I wear on the trails. I tried the... Uh, Clifton's and there, it's almost like there's too much, uh, yeah. too much cushion, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I was having some shin issues and some calf issues when I wore those. Mm. So I went back to the uh, Cascadia's and I have pretty good luck with those. Okay. Okay. And I don't know if we mentioned this, but what month did you decide to do this? Was this it- was, yep. Yeah, this was the second weekend of October, October. Okay. Yeah. So not super hot out. Exactly. That's why I chose October. Uh, in Indiana, it's usually starting to cool down about that time. 
unfortunately, when I took off, it was only, I don't know, 68, 70 degrees, but it was 100% humidity that day, um, which, you know, you can't plan that a year in advance. Um, so I had a pretty good sweat going right away. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but the weather was, it cooperated all weekend, which was nice. What were you using for cooling tactics? Or, or was it cool enough outside you didn't have to worry about it much? Like, were you putting ice in a hat or anything crazy like that? Or were you doing okay? No, it wasn't quite that bad. Um, I've learned from doing some other races. What I tend to do is, you know, I wear a, a hydration pack, cable pack, mm-hmm. and I, I pack that with ice. Um, oh, so you were wearing I, a pack out there. I did sometimes. When I, did, okay. when I thought it would be like 8 to 10 miles I would okay. go ahead and put a pack on, you know, just because okay. I don't want to run 10 miles without any water whatsoever. Yep. Um, but I'd always pack that with ice, um, which I don't know if you're supposed to do that or not, but it works for me. Um, and that's, that's got me through a lot of the hotter runs um, is that hydration pack. I, I fought wearing one for years because I didn't want the extra weight. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm already got extra weight. I don't need extra <laughs> weight. Uh, but then once I learned how to use it and, and how to, how to get it form fitting and how to belch it and all that good stuff. Um, it's, it's hard for me to run without it. Now I, I enjoy running with it. Yeah. Yeah. And did it get cold that night? Was that an issue for you or something you had to take no, into consideration? It was, it was perfect. It, we got down to 55, you know, okay. uh, which for me is still t-shirt, you know? Yep. Um, so yeah, it was, it was the, the weather couldn't have been better, honestly. Okay. Maybe okay. 10 degrees cooler would have been nice, but why, why be picky about it? Yeah. And you said you were changing socks and shoes every four hours and lubing up. Yeah. I learned, I learned the hard way when I did my first hundred miler, uh, I started chafing in between my thighs uh, about mile 60. And at the end of that run, the inside of my thighs looked like alligator skin. I mean, they were just tore up and, and I, I couldn't walk for, I mean, a week and a half, honestly. Yeah. Um, so I learned to hit that stuff before it starts chafing yeah. instead of after. Okay. So during the course of this run, I went through four big tubs of Vaseline because, uh, I mean, every time I'd stop, it was take off my socks, lube up my toes, lube up my feet, put socks back on, uh, anywhere. Like I was even lubing the back of my neck where my t-shirt was touching, uh, armpits, everything you could imagine that would, that would possibly chafe. I was being very generous and living everything up because I didn't want to get behind the eight ball on that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Did it help? Did you have much chafing out there? I had next to none. Uh, Okay. So so, like I said earlier, a lot of times, as long as you learn from failures, it's a good thing. Uh, If I wouldn't have chafed real bad during that hundred mile race, I wouldn't have known to stay in front of it, you know? And uh, I've had a, I had a 12 hour race last year where I, got super sick because of what I ate, you know, so I learned what to stay away from, um, during that run. Um, so a lot of times you got to have those failures just so you learn from them, just so you know what not to do next time. You know, that was, that was super important for sure. And what was your main source of uh, nutrition while you were out there or were you eating lots of different stuff? I was eating anything and everything I could get my hands on. Uh, at one point I ate an entire large pizza. Uh, I would eat, uh, I had my girlfriend bring me some chicken quesadillas. I eat those, uh, peanut butter and jelly, uh, 
everything you shouldn't eat during regular life, <laughs> I was consuming. I think I, I consumed 20, 25,000 calories over the course of 48 hours. Okay. Um, so I was putting it away pretty hard. Uh, I did learn that, uh, uh, I called a buddy of mine, John. I learned that uh, baby food sits really well with me. Yep. Uh, during my lowest of low points, which was mile 102, I called him up. Um, and he told me, you know, try baby food. I always works good for me. So I tried the baby food and it, it was amazing. Nice. Yeah. It's usually pretty easy on the stomach. Exactly. Um, so no running food, no gels or bars or anything like that, or was it just strictly real food? Uh, yeah, for the most part, um, okay. I have a hard time with the gels. They don't settle too well with me. Yep. Um, I did have a bunch of the, uh, well, the cliff bars, Yep. Uh, I had a few of those here and there, but really it was just, uh, you know, food that you would have for dinner. I mean, yeah. um, a lot of carbs, a lot of heavy carbs, uh, but it worked. It kept me moving the whole time. Yeah, for sure. No, it sounds like it worked perfect. Um, yeah, I weigh, I don't know what I weigh 170 pounds. I've always wanted to be a bigger guy like yourself. I always wanted to weigh 220. you know, cool, I'll trade you anytime you're ready. I'll, I'll trade you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But do you have any tips for um, bigger guys that are running? Like, have you found anything that were, I mean, we went through probably just about everything, but I'm trying to think, do you have any secrets or tips or anything that worked for you just being a bigger guy out there running these long distances? Um, or is it mainly just take care of the chafing before you start chafing? <laughs> shoes, shoes are important. I mean, you find what works for you and go with it. Um, for me, I, I, I found that when I slow down just a little bit, you know, when you're running an ultra, it's more important to finish than it is to go fast. Um, and I found out just slowing down a mile or one minute per mile, I can go so much farther. You know, mm. a lot of people get discouraged, you know, um, when they start running. And I always try to tell them that the, the first mile is harder than the 10th, you know, mm. yeah, people just don't want to get past that first mile. Right. Um, but for me, you know, I, I carry my weight pretty well. Um, and I've talked to a couple other bigger guys and I'm just like, you know, you just, it's important to just move, you know, uh, even if you're not, until you get to the point where you could run 10, 20 miles, just get out there and do something, you know, just move, uh, your body will adjust, you know, Goggins talks about the 40% rule. Uh, when you feel like you've had all you can handle, you're only at 40%. Um, a lot of people don't like discomfort. Um, you just got to push past that initial discomfort and it'll get better. You know, all us ultra runners know that uh, when you're out there doing an ultra, it's a roller coaster. You hit the high, you hit the low, you hit the high, you hit the low. You just got to be able to push through the lows, you know? Um, and that's the same, whether you're a big guy, or whether you're not, you know? Yeah. yeah. When did you know, uh, you're going to finish this thing. You could smell the finish line or you got to a certain, uh, certain mile mileage and you're like, okay, we're, we're going to do this. This is going to happen. Well, the silly answer to that is mile one. I knew I was going to finish. Nice. Okay. That's, that's the best answer <laughs> because I said, uh, it's going to take an ambulance to, uh, to take me out of there without oh, finishing. Yeah. Okay. I knew it would, I knew maybe I would have a hard time and maybe have to slow down and walk, um, so uh, my main goal was to finish, you know, the 48 hour goal, the 50 hour goal that was secondary. Um, but when I got to like uh, 10, 12 miles left 
I mean, honestly, I knew I was going to finish the whole time. I really did. But when I got to that last 10 to 12 miles, uh, I started getting super pumped up. Mm. Um, I was having some pretty bad sleep deprivation. Uh, I had a guy run with me for the last 15. And it was funny because I said, man, for, for and then I run felt like two hours. We the time There, Joe. Okay, did you get me again? No, yeah, I got you now, but uh, I didn't catch that answer. Sorry. Okay, where were we at? Oh, <laughs> where were we? Um, when, I when apologize. Did you... No, that's all right. You're like ten miles from the finish. Yeah, so so I had a guy come run with me the last fifteen miles, and um, my my brain was playing tricks on me as far as uh, time. You know, uh, I said, "How far do we got?" He said, "We got thirteen miles to go." And then we ran for what felt like two hours. I said, okay, how far do we got now? He's like, we got 11 miles to go. It's like, I know we're not running that slow, but the sleep deprivation was starting to get to my brain. So that last 13 to 15 miles was really rough. Um, it was just, it was playing with my brain pretty hard, but I knew no matter what I was going to finish at that point. Okay. Yeah, man, those last, <clears throat> oops, sorry. You there? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Okay. Okay. Yeah, man. Um, I know how it is with those last miles is dragging on forever. You're looking at your watch and you're like, how, like, how is this possible? It just seems like hours <laughs> and weeks. And it's like, just get me to the fricking finish. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. And then um, what was that finish like for you? I mean, was it emotional? Or, and did you have a bunch of support there, like ready to hug you at the finish line? What was it like? Ah, uh, got it. There we go. Oh, sorry, man. That's all right, buddy. I hate that that's happened, but that's okay. We'll uh, we do what we can. I'll try and piece this together and no, no worries. <laughs> um, tell me about the finish line though. The finish line was crazy. Um, you know, I'm running through this town and, and like I said, it was like, it was never going to get there. And finally, I see the sign that says, welcome to Ohio. And uh, it took everything in me not to break down in tears, honestly. Um and I'm running up and I see all my friends, you know, standing right there at the finish line, uh, friends, family, everybody, there was 20 or 30 people out there. Um, and it was, it was kind of anticlimactic after you run for two and a half days and all of a sudden you just stop running <laughs> because of this imaginary line in the sand that says now we're in Ohio, yeah. you know, <laughs> cause it wasn't like it was a big deal. It was just welcome to Ohio sign. Um, so it was a big deal. You know, I, I got to thank everybody. I got to uh, uh, go over and give my dad a big hug, you know, and thank him for being out there, um, which, to be honest with you, was the main reason I was I was doing it. So for him to be there was was really special. Um, it was it was it was. Uh, yeah. You want to see a big boy cry. That's where you would have been. Uh, <laughs> I was fighting it back. I really was. You put a lot of work. I mean, you put 12 months worth of work into this thing and now it's over, you know, and I've right. struggled with that ever since, ever since then I've been like, okay, what's next? You know, what do I yeah. do now? You know, yeah. It's a, a lot of, a lot of time dedicated to this thing. 
Well, yeah, I think that's a common theme with ultra runners is, you know, training for the big event and then executing the big event. And then afterwards wondering what's next, who am I struggling with a little bit of depression because there's no focus or, or drive in your life, or you're not working towards something. Um, so what did the next, yeah, what did the next like couple of weeks look like after you finished? Were you laying on a couch elated and happy that you did this thing? Or were you feeling a little bit low and wondering what the next thing's going to be? Well, the, uh, the next week I went ahead and took off work and I figured if I'm going to lay around, I'm gonna lay around a beach. So, uh, we went down to, we went down and stayed on the beach for a week, okay. um, down in Jacksonville, Florida. Right. Uh, my girlfriend's son is, he was stationed in Jacksonville. He's in the Navy. Uh, so we went down to visit him and just hung out. Um, it took about three days for me to start feeling better. Um, and to be honest with you, the following weekend was the Marine Corps half marathon. And if I would have took my shoes with me, I would have run the Marine Corps half marathon the following weekend. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, you must've been pretty, not felt, in too bad a shape. I felt pretty good. All things considered. Uh, I think the, the training went great. The, everything leading up to it went great. Uh, I was able to not get so many blisters. I was able to not chafe. I was able to, to prevent all that. Um, which really, you know, I probably shouldn't have run the half marathon, honestly, but it was one of those I'm in town. I want to do it, but I'm glad I left my shoes at home. I, you know, because I, I probably would have done it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so it doesn't sound like there was really a low point after this. It sounds like, I mean, that's a good strategy is to have like a vacation planned after something like this. So you go to a beach and you relax a little bit right. at a new place. Um, so that's, that's probably a pro tip right there. Um, and then, uh, yeah. When did you start thinking about the next thing? Well, um, you know, I struggle with it like anybody would, this may be the biggest thing I do. This may be the biggest run I ever do. Sure. Um, I'm not a guy who's on social media, so there's not a whole lot of attention out there, but the, the 12 months leading up to it, there was all kinds of, uh, you know, I had people come up to me who I've never met who knew who I was. That's craziness to me. Um, so that's gone, which is fine. You know, I'm, I don't need it. Um, but it's different. Uh, getting used to it is different. Um, getting used to the fact that, Hey, I just, that's kind of the pinnacle, you know, that might be the pinnacle of my running career. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say it's downhill from here cause it's not, but your brain does that to you. Your brain makes you think, you know, uh, you, you've went as far as you're going to go, you know, now it's time to slow down a little bit. So for me, I have to concentrate on, not necessarily bigger things, just I want to do different things now. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have to run farther than that. I want to do, uh, uh, I want to go places and do races in different places that I don't normally go. You know, I plan vacations around these runs now, you know. Um, so for me, it's just still about getting out there, meeting people, um, and just going different places. You know, I'd love to go up to Alaska and do a run up there. Uh, I'd love to go out west, Colorado, Utah, new runs. I'd love to go up to Seattle area, new runs. Um, the Key West 100, I'd love to try that one uh, just to see things, you know what I mean? So now it's not so much about how far can you go. It's about what can you see while you're out running, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, don't think of this as the, this could have been the pinnacle. I mean, like, 
sure you could run further sure you could run faster but um you know i guess what it's about to me you tell me if i'm wrong is all these things that we learn running ultra marathons through training and then the execution of the actual event and then recovering afterwards as fun as that all is there's really no point to it all unless you're taking the lessons that you learned and applying them to life somehow like absolutely so how do you take those lessons and apply them to your life or um has your life changed in any way because of this this crazy sport that you discovered a few years ago well i've tried to always teach that to my kids that a lot of times when you when you lose whether it be a competition or whether it be you fail at something um that that's an awful feeling but i tried to explain to them that it's almost necessary and in some instances it's it's the best thing that can happen to you um because if you don't lose if you don't fail um you don't learn you know it's it's important to learn you know what i did wrong why this happened what can i do to fix it um so for me that's that's what i'm i if i wouldn't have failed a few times in training leading up to this run across indiana i wouldn't have uh of I've learned from it and I, I might've failed on the run itself. Um, so that's super important. Um, so that's kind of what I look at now is, is not so much, uh, is it a fail or is it a success is, is what did I learn from it? You know, mm -hmm. which I, I think is super important yeah. just in life in general. A hundred percent. And I can't stress enough. Um, how difficult this sport is when you're working a manual labor job. Yeah. And I don't know that everybody fully understands that. I've worked a lot of manual labor jobs in my lifetime and I've been uh, in after work. There's always the training before work. There's always the training for a while. I was training a lot of martial arts stuff. And then eventually it was the ultra running stuff. And I mean, there's been times I go at, the start of a shift, you know, I, I got to work eight or 10 hours. And at the very beginning of the shift, I'm like, how am I going to do this? Like, I just did a four hour run before work so that I can squeeze all these miles in. Now I got a full shift of work standing on my feet. And uh, it's like, it's just so hard, dude. Like, like, how do you sort of reckon with that? Um, you're, you're on your feet doing manual labor all day. Do you train before work or after work? And is that as much of a struggle for you as it is for me? Uh, well, for one, I'm used to it. I've, that's all I know. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. Uh, there are times at work where while I'm at work, I do seven to eight miles, you know, ah, yep. just at work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we talked earlier about having that, that wrestler gear that I talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a real thing. You know, you, you grind it out. Um, so for me, it's like, you just don't make things an option. Uh, I go to work. I take my running clothes with me to work. Uh, I get up at four 30 to go to work. So I really can't run before work. I'm not that okay. crazy. Yeah. Um, but I'll take myself with me to work and it's, uh, for me, it's don't go home. Don't get comfortable. Don't just go straight to the woods or go straight to wherever you're going to run and get your miles in, you know, when you make it an option or when you go home first and you're like, yeah, I really don't feel like doing it tonight. You just can't make it an option for and that's, that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. No, that's a good strategy. Bring your, bring your running clothes with you. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, don't sit down after work. If you sit down, it's all over. Like, gotta keep moving. Gotta make it to the gym. Gotta make it to the trail. Um, yeah, I get it. And then, uh, all right, man. So what's coming up in the future? You mentioned the Yeti. Yep. So here in three weeks, I have the ATR 24 hour, which is out just outside of DC in Virginia. Um, I'm gonna give a quick shout out. I'm gonna give a quick shout out if you don't mind. Uh, a buddy of mine who I started, he's he's a YouTuber. He's got a channel. It's called Motivation Theory Running um, on YouTube. Uh, super interesting guy, and it's one of those. He was going to this race last year, and I said, "Well, I'd like to go meet him. I'd like to run this race with him." And super down to earth, normal guy. I get out there, we run the race together. Uh, and we've been in contact ever since. So little shout out if you guys want some good uh, content on YouTube, uh, Motivation Theory Running. Uh, his name is John. He's a great guy. Um, I got that race with him here in uh, three weeks. Um, do, you have a, do you have a goal for that one? So last year when I did it, I actually, I don't want to say I failed because you can't really fail in a 24-hour run. Uh, but I did do all 24 hours. Uh, and I was really upset with myself. Uh, I tapped out at 21 hours. Um, that's the first time I've ever fallen asleep while running. Uh, you know, not being from Indiana, I'm not used to that terrain. That terrain just ate me alive. Um, so this year we did 63 miles last year, which don't sound like a lot, but we did a lot of elevation. Um, that was a tough run. That, yeah, that, that 63 miles was harder than any hundred miler I've done. Yeah. It's that elevation, right? And there's a lot of rolling up and down throughout the course, right? Yeah, it's not real high elevation, um, but it's there's a lot of up and down. Okay, uh, okay. And there's nowhere for me to train that type of elevation around here. Mm. Um, you know, I went out there and it's it, it kicked my butt pretty hard. Mm. So we did 63 miles last year in 21 hours. So I want to do, my main goal is do all 24 hours. Okay. Um, if we can do 70 miles, 75 I'd be super happy with that. I've been, I've been living with the regret of stopping early, uh, ever since last year. So I want a little redemption on this race. Well, payback time. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I got that. I got the Yeti. I've got a few 12 hour runs here in town. Um, I've probably got four or five ultras this year. Uh, next year I'm going to try one of the last man standing events. Mm. Um, I have no illusion that I can win. I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy, uh, but I would like to push myself as hard as I can and, and see how far, cause you know, you got to do a, a 24 hour hundred to just to keep going in that event, you know? Sure. Um, so I would like to see, uh, see what I can do in that, 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 that style of event. Okay. So that'll be next year. Nice. And then like, where do you see this going in? five or 10 years, you know, do you, do you see yourself doing this like long-term or are you trying to pack as much in while your body's still healthy or what's sort of your, your, your mind frame around, uh, um, five, 10 years down the road. Ooh, I'm going to do this until my body won't do it anymore. Um, you know, being a big guy, my knees, they take a pounding, uh, my lower back takes a pounding. Um, but I'm just going to keep doing it till I can't do it. I love doing it. Uh, and then when I can't do ultras anymore, I'm still going to do halves, you know, mm-hmm. trail run. I'll do a half marathon. I enjoy that distance. Um, 
so I, I don't see an end to it. I, I hope to be the the old guy some someday that's barely beating cutoffs. You know, uh, in my future, I hope that's me. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it, man. Um, do you do any cross training, yoga, or stretching, or you know, you mentioned weightlifting is hard in your joints. Do you do anything else besides running? Uh, not like I should. I'm a big fan of yoga. Uh, it helps me a lot. I've got some range of motion issues and yoga is a big help. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't do it nearly as much as I should. Uh, I do lift weights. Um, plus having a manual labor job, lifting weights there all day long that's sometimes it. too. That, that's good cross training uh, right there. I would like to pick up some swimming. Um, I'm a pretty dense guy. It's hard for me to swim. I, I sink like a rock. Um, but I'm not, I wouldn't be opposed to cross training. I just need to find, find what I like to do. I haven't found it yet. Yeah. 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 It kind of amazes me that you fell in love with running the way you did because it doesn't come easy to you. It, no, not like- at all it sounds like it's really kind of tough for you because you're a bigger guy. So it, it amazes me when bigger people fall in love with running because I struggle enough with it at 170 pounds and it just must be twice as hard for you. So it's kind of, I think that's the mind. reason I love it. I think, I think it has right? to do with, uh, I just like doing stuff that's hard. I mean, if it wasn't hard, what would be the point in doing it? You know, yeah. Yeah. uh, the one reason I like ultra running is because it's not something everyone does. Um, so for me, uh, I just like, uh, I don't know. I, I like that. And I'll be honest with you. A lot of people won't admit this. I like the crazy look that people give you when they see the sticker on the back of your car that says a hundred miles and they can't figure out what it's for. Right. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know what it is, but I, I like it when uh, people call me crazy for some reason. <laughs> yeah me too i mean you know i've got to admit it like when i first discovered ultra running ultra marathon running like through books and blogs and stuff back in the day i thought those guys are crazy i kind of want to be crazy too absolutely (laughs) and yeah there's nothing wrong with that it's just and uh yeah it's just a it's a weird form of self-expression it's like uh it's like it's like painting a picture and letting someone look at it and decide exactly what it is. I go out and run these long distances and people can look at it and decide whatever they want to decide, you know, either I'm crazy or uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't quite put my finger on it, but. (laughs) Well, you know, like I said, we're, we're, we're all limited. You know, we always hear you can do whatever you want to do, but let's be honest. I'm not going to run a four minute mile. You know, it's just not going to happen. I'm never going to dunk a basketball. That's not going to happen either. Um, so for me, this is something that's uh, that's not easy to do. You know, not anyone can just get up off their couch and go run 100 miles. It takes training. You can't fake it. You know what I mean? Um, so I really, I, I like the fact that you, you get a real sense of accomplishment. Um, and it's something that technically anybody can do for the most part. Right. But it does take, it does take training. It does take sacrifice. I've always said it's my part-time job. You know, I'm running 20 plus hours a week. Um, that's a part-time job. You know, it's, it's what I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it's something that sh- a guy like me shouldn't be able to do. And that's why I enjoy doing it. Yeah. yeah. You know? 
Yeah, I mean, you're going to be on your deathbed, thinking back on your life, and these are going to be some of the key moments, some of these big races and this run across Indiana, those are the moments, I mean, sure, the birth of your kids and whatnot, but these runs are going to stand up there with those top moments, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so just stay on the path, man, keep doing what you're doing. Do you, you said you're not on social media, do you have a current website or anything where people can find you or support you? I have nothing. Good luck finding it. It won't happen. <laughs> okay. I'm, on, I'm on Strava, okay. um, which I tell you what, here's how I found your podcast. This is an interesting story. A um, couple, uh, maybe six months ago, you interviewed a guy named Laz who ran across the country. Oh, yeah. Um, he's from, he's originally from, I want to say Hungary. Yep. Um, I'm coming home from work one day and I'm going to my house. And I see this guy running down the, down the road. And if you're familiar with this area, you think to yourself, that guy's not from here because there's a trail a quarter mile from here. that's perfect to run on. Why yeah. is he running down this busy road? Right. So I go up about a quarter, half a mile and I see this RV and it says something, something across America on the back. And I'm like, what? There's no way I'm going to regret if I don't turn around and see what this is. So I spin around and I go up to the RV and it was, uh, I'm drawing a blank on her name. I'm sorry. Uh, it was Laz's uh, Abby. fiance. Abby, Abby, thank you. Thank you very much. Abby, Abby's in the RV and I stop and talk to Abby for a few minutes. And uh, I explained to her that I'm doing this run across Indiana. And uh, I actually had one of my promotional t-shirts on my run across Indiana t-shirt. And when Laz finally got there, I stopped and what a great guy. You know, I stopped and talked to him for 10 minutes and took pictures with him. Okay. We get, you got a guy who's running all the way across the country and he thinks I'm the crazy one because I'm trying to run all the way across the state nonstop, you know? Um, but he put on his uh, Strava account, he put, uh, that he was doing an interview with you. And so I was like, Oh, I got to look this up, you know? Oh. And so I looked up Laz and, on the, on that interview. And I've been, I've been listening to you ever since. No kidding. Well, that makes me feel good. It's, it's crazy how people come to it. And, uh, I like that story. So thanks for sharing that. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually there's one of his neighbors down in Miami. You know, we, like I said, we all, uh, we all take for granted that we do something that's crazy, but there's a guy out of Miami. His name is Micah, M I K A. Uh, last name is Shevit S H E V I T. Um, he would be an amazing interview for you. He, this last week, completed his 365th half marathon in 365 consecutive days. Wow. And he's not done. He's still going. Wow. Um, so he's doing a half marathon a day, and he's done it for over a year. So that's quite a run streak. Uh, he'd be a super interesting uh, interview as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I run into you, and I've been I've – been, I've been listening ever since, dude. Well, I appreciate it, man. Um, before this connection gets any worse, you want to give any shout outs or anything to anybody else, anybody that helped you along the way or anything? Yeah, real quick. Uh, obviously my whole crew, my girlfriend, my whole crew, they helped me out for the whole run across Indiana. Um, Scotty Coomer, 10 jump miles. Um, yeah, he put me on his podcast early on and it blew up from there, you know, Nice. Uh, that was a big deal. Um, but Scotty's a great guy and he was nice enough to put me on there and the 10 junk miles crew, they're all crazy. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, they were super supportive people I'd never met were donating money and it was just, 
it was outrageous. And I still go to events now and 10 junk miles, people recognize me. And, uh, so Scotty was a, was a big part of helping me out, getting this thing going. Uh, John with motivation theory on YouTube. Uh, he interviewed me, he got that going, you know, um, those two. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> what a badass, Joe Kern. I tell you to look him up, but I don't think you're going to find him. So, uh, there he is ran across the state of Indiana and, uh, what a stud, what a stud. I enjoyed talking with them. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to hear back from them. Uh, that pretty much wraps it up. Ladies and gentlemen, I got another badass for you right there. Do big things. That's it. Joe, thank you for coming on the show, man. It's, it's an inspiration and I think it's going to inspire some other people. Aha, he's back. One more time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. So the last I heard was you were talking 10 junk miles, dude. And those guys are yeah, huge, huge inspiration. And he's got such a huge footprint on this ultra running world with his podcast that I bet all kinds of people were donating to your cause once. Oh once yeah. I went up and did the, uh, I went up and did the, uh, Badger 100 K, uh, last July, August, whatever it was. And just meeting him, meeting the whole crew, you know, everyone up there, it seemed like knew who I was, which was insane to me. I didn't understand it, but, uh, you know, I'm just a fat guy from Indiana likes to run. Um, <laughs> but everyone's just so nice. You know, that whole, that whole crew is real nice. Anybody else on that list, buddy? Yeah. Like I said, John with motivation theory running on YouTube. Uh, he was a big help. He did an interview with me. Uh, I like running with him. I can't wait to see him again here in a couple of weeks. Um, and just my, my crew and everyone else who helped it's, it was amazing, yeah. uh, to have all those people help me out. Like I said, it takes a village to do it by yourself. It takes a village. It really does. Did I lose you again? It's killing me. All right, buddy. I don't know if you can hear me. I hope you can. Um, if you ever make it out to Colorado, please look me up. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what we are doing at Big Things Crewing or you enjoy the podcast, please consider donating to us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash do big things is where you can drop a dollar in the hat, so to speak. I'd like to thank our loyal Patreon subscribers. Without you guys, this isn't possible. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'd like to thank our sponsors. First of all, Exoskin. Their running apparel keeps you comfortable in absolutely any condition. Say goodbye to chafing and blisters. Check them out. Exoskin.us. Use our discount code, capital BTC, for 15% off. I also want to tell you guys real quick about Bigger Than the Trail. Bigger Than the Trail is a 501c3 tax-exempt organization that is using trail running as a platform to advocate for mental health. If you've ever thought about getting therapy, but aren't in the position where you can afford it or you don't have insurance, Bigger Than the Trail offers you free therapy for three months. Yes, you got it. I said it. You heard it right. I couldn't love what these guys are doing more. I signed up for it. It was quick. It was easy. Within 48 hours, I had a, a therapist that met all my pre-requirements. It was all matched up with me and met my personal criteria. And I met with her every week for, I don't know, a couple months. And, uh, you know, I, I, I met with her until I felt a little bit better. 
and uh, you know, I'm trying this thing. You guys should try this thing, and you know, we can all do it together. Look up bigger than the trail. Sign up for the services, and let's do the small things in life that eventually lead us to doing the big things. Let them know we sent you. Also, we want to thank Alter Ego Running. They make pre- premium performance hats. Everyone needs a good lid or two when you're out running on an epic adventure. Uh, these hats should be your go-to on everyday runs, epic adventures, and just cruising around town. Check out Alter Ego Running. Use our promo code, capital all caps, do big things, and that's for 20% off. Last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by Athletic Brewing, the finest non-alcoholic craft beer in the market. Check out athleticbrewing.com and use my discount code, McRobertsA20, all caps, for 20% off the finest non-alcoholic beer around. Enjoy the taste without the hangover. Remember, guys, life is short. Do big things, baby. Pedro, take us for a run.